Hi, everyone. This is Holly Gilbert Stowell, your host of Security Management Highlights. Thanks for tuning in to this bonus episode, and be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or SoundCloud. If you're heading to GSX 2018, which starts on September 23rd and goes until the 27th, you can stop by the D3 Experience, which is a special pavilion featuring drones, robots, and other unmanned technologies. You can even test out your skills as a drone pilot. The pavilion is supported by the Association for Unmanned Vehicle Systems International, so make sure you stop by and check it out. Now to talk more about drones and some of the latest developments in technology around that space is Marco Rubin, Senior Investment Director at the Center for Innovative Technology. Hi, Marco. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Holly. I appreciate being on the show. Before we get started, can you just tell us a little bit more about the Center for Innovative Technology, where you work as a Senior Investment Director? Yeah, CIT is a 501c3 funded by taxpayers in the state of Virginia, and we have a mission, and the mission is in this organization to invest in high-growth, high-expectation tech startups anywhere in the Commonwealth. So it's UAS, aerospace, we have some SATCOM, as well as life sciences, energy, and traditional software startups, and we have 70 companies now in our cyber portfolio. So um, hard to believe, but after 15 years, I think we're the largest tech investor in the DMV, the Washington, D.C. area in Virginia in terms of deal volume. We're here today to talk about drones. This topic has been big in the security industry. We've come a long way in the last few years with drones. They're becoming more and more sophisticated. What are some of the unique ways in which you're seeing these unmanned vehicles being used? So we're seeing an evolution and maybe the context take a step back. Um, I'm part of an investment team, and in that capacity, we look at aerospace and space systems investment opportunities, and and, and in doing so, we see no shortage of entrepreneurs all over the entire UAS value chain. By that, I mean we see the sensors, the software that integrates the images. We see the the airframe, you know, for whether it's a a quadcopter or a, a different kind of configuration. We see the entire spectrum of of opportunities, and we're asking ourselves the question, are these uh, appropriate uh, tech-grade investments that that we can get behind? And in in doing so, we've seen a lot of interesting technologies. One area, for example, that's just recently gotten on our radar screen is, is safety. For instance, we have seen some questions about quadcopters and exposed blades and and physical contact of of airframe when you lose a motor. And we've seen a class of entrepreneurs focus on the airframe and and more reliable, safer systems. And it it ranges from a completely new design that uh, encloses the blade and and, and creates a fail-safe landing system to higher reliability technology. And these are often driven by the customers that they So as you might imagine, a a governmental sort of application will have more stringent safety and security standards than one might see on the commercial side. So one one of the key variables we we look at is who who are they serving? How are they going to go about uh, fulfilling uh, a platform for that particular product? So it's, it's, it's pretty much all over the map in terms of reliability, quality, safety, and security. 
Yes, so interesting to hear about these nascent companies and what their pitches are for creating new unmanned vehicles and new technology around it. What are some of the biggest security considerations when it comes to building these drones and vehicles that you think those companies and manufacturers, designers should keep in mind? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, and there there's a multitude of ways to go about it. I just went to an AUVSI conference in Denver, and there were 10,000 attendees approximately and six or 700 vendors there. And, and the reason I say that is it gives you a kind of a marker on the maturity and, and, and the level of sophistication that vendors have in this area. And a couple of areas are starting to pop out. And one of them is a call to action that was raised by a leading proponent of security issues, the professor from University of North Carolina, Zainab Tufekski, I believe her presentation is now online. But she re-raised the specter of the uh, absence of security thought processes baked into design early on. And it's an area that I've been tracking for some time now. And, and just to bring it into brighter focus from, from my perspective, when I see an entrepreneur who is at the very beginning of a process building a new company, focusing on an airframe, for example, to build on the example I used earlier, all of their energies are focused on getting that vehicle airworthy and to, to suit the requirement they're targeting. You might imagine in that process, that's a complex endeavor. And, and often what gets lost is the broader thought process of how do I make in security from the very earliest design stages of building that. And someone might say, well, you know, wait a second, there are vendors that do, for example, secure comm data links. I think there's a couple of, a whole bunch of vendors, but one was Regulus. And they, they, they build competent sensor and data link technology for, for that sort of defensive purpose. But it's not necessarily a systems view from the entrepreneur's perspective. So one of the areas we're seeing is a lot of the innovation is coming from these entrepreneurs. And some of the questions in, in my mind are, gee, uh, who's responsible if the technology gets hacked? Is there a vulnerability? Is there a liability for uh, other parties, both the vendor and, and maybe even backers? So we're, we're looking at risks involved with these younger companies that are developing some interesting technologies. And uh, some are thinking about it, but some are using other vendors' materials. Others are, quite frankly, not thinking about it at all. And then just to draw on the earlier example, some have uniquely developed missions that are purely about safety, purely about being hack-proof, et cetera. So I don't know if that answers your question, except to say that we are seeing kind of early days for security. And if maybe I could expand the question a little further, I, I would also include even beyond drones, I would just broaden the definition and say in autonomy, I would say maritime is included in that, ground vehicles are included in that, flight vehicles are included in that, and, and I might even argue SATCOM is now, satellite communications is now on the commercial side for, for low earth orbiting satellites, it's becoming more and more of an issue. So as you might imagine, there are a lot of entrepreneurs entering that area, and it begs the same sort of question, which is, hey, they're very competent aerospace engineers or comm systems engineers, but maybe security isn't front of mind if we're building or top of mind if we're not uh, building for the, for the government client. So it's just a question that we are starting to pose to people who are presenting to us, and we are asking the question, where is the market going to be driving this sort of requirement? Will it come from strategic customers? Will it come from the financing sources? Will it come from regulatory bodies? So it's early days from our perspective. What about counter drone technology, Marco? We hear a lot about 
these new tools that supposedly can make drones fall from the sky or jam their signals. What are you seeing in that space? And realistically, is this something that your startups and other commercial users are going to be able to get their hands on soon? Or is that more of a military type application? We're on the periphery of it. And so I haven't yet seen, from my perspective, an investment thesis. I've seen a lot of Israeli-based drone technologies that are touching on that topic. And I think there's a lot of maturity there. I've seen a lot of some flow in the area, to your point, more federal facing from the Norfolk Tidewater area. That's where NASA Langley is. And as you might imagine, that's an anchor tenancy by the government in that area. So you'll find kind of unique competencies in the tech area there. You know, we're, we're looking at areas, for example, and I've seen some entrepreneurs who are bringing in expertise from Iran, Iraq, uh, Afghanistan, elsewhere, who have seen drone operations up front or actually been involved in seeing that these technologies, there are some really interesting questions about when you are navigating with multiple vehicles. Uh, You know, I guess one scenario is a drone inside of uh, an aerial surveillance with other fixed wing or variable wing aircraft. So think of it, a helicopter with a drone, both surveilling an area in the same airspace. How do you deconflict two vehicles that rightly should be there? And, And how do those What are the protocols to have uh, a collision avoidance baked in from the drone versus the manned vehicle? So it's a long-winded way of saying we are seeing some of it. We've not yet exposed ourselves to it. It is a big issue for certain aspects of the commercial airspace issue. In fact, there's a a great area you might want to look into for different uh, air traffic authorization levels that the FAA defines. The drones are, you'll often find them in the class E authorization required, but then you'll you'll have different classes such as class B and class C and class D, which basically it's, it's a fancy way of saying they're different above ground level and flight level and, and sea level altitudes that govern the behavior of what you're talking about. So a really great place for people to get started is in this training area. And I'm, I'm not sure, Holly, if you're familiar with it, but there is a dedicated training area called Part 107, which is for drone operators. And there's all sorts of training programs coming uh, around for people who are both novices as well as people who are repurposing their skills in aviation for this market. But we're seeing the class of entrepreneurs who do have real hardcore operating experience from other markets and military markets. And they are starting to work over into the commercial side. I haven't yet seen one that satisfies our investment criteria, but they are they're starting to starting to surface, no question about it. Thank you so much, Marco, for coming on and talking more to us about drones and all the fascinating new developments in that space. All right. Delighted to to serve Holly. Thank you so much for having me as your guest.